Hey, g'day everybody at Monty Church. This is David Wilson coming to you from my garage actually in Mount Evelyn. As you know, I live in a household full of people. Nine of us live together in this house. Lockdown has been an interesting experience in many ways. And uh, for me to get a bit of uh, quietness and privacy to do things like this and Zoom meetings and all that sort of stuff that we're all so familiar with now, I'm kicked out of the garage. But it's a nice garage. It's okay. And you see behind me that spectacular canvas. That was painted by a friend of mine back in the 70s. And it was up the front of a, of a church that I was pastoring, a Jesus Freak Church back in the 70s. And our motto was take root downward and bear fruit upward. And so that's a picture of the cross, as you can see, and a grapevine and uh, some fine grapes growing on it. So it gives me a good good background for uh, speaking to people on various topics. Good to be with you. What a great chapter um, I've been given to speak on, given to speak on the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5. I reckon there's a, a mob of people over there at Monty who sit down and say, let's let's give David Wilson the best passage that we possibly can. And in fact, let's get him to speak on it twice. And that's what's happening here. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 5, parts 1 and 2. I've been given the uh, task, the most enjoyable task of unwrapping chapter 5 to you across two weeks and so uh, this week I want to do some introductory stuff and next week I'm going to zero down in the characteristics of the fruit and uh, have a look at a couple of the applications that Paul gives us in the latter part of Galatians 5. You know when I was on um, the council in the city of Melbourne uh, we required what we called impact statements on each of the reports that came to us. And, and these were um, statements that had to show what impact the policy and the decisions that we were being asked to make as council would have upon the economy of the city, so an economic impact statement, the environment effect, you know, what's it going to do, our parks and gardens and environmental impacts, uh, the social impact, what's it going to do to the people of the city, uh, the vulnerable in the city and so forth. As you can imagine, I was especially interested in the social impacts of the city. And, and these were uh, required by those writing the report so that we could have a look at what was happening and uh, what sort of effect, what sort of impact is it going to have on the city? Well, as, as I read chapter 5 in preparation for uh, today's message, I, uh, I thought, you know, this, that's what Paul's doing. He, he's, he's presenting a bit of an impact statement for the way that we choose to live our lives. You know, he's contrasting what he calls works of the flesh and fruit of the spirit. And you choose to live your life according to the works of the flesh, and this is the impact it's going to have. And you choose to live your life according to the spirit, well, this is the impact that it's going to have. So in, in many ways, now what we have here in chapter five is an impact statement. And it's, it's a bit like, it's a bit like Ephesians in some ways, because the beginning of Galatians, you know, the first few chapters, Paul is stressing how important it is that uh, it's by faith that we're saved. Foolish Galatians, they're beginning to believe something other than faith alone. They're saying faith plus because they're believing the Judaizers that are coming to town. And um, 
and 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 they're getting uh, the the impact upon them is pretty serious, and they're getting hoodwinked. And he says, "You foolish Galatians! You know, if 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 it's faith plus, then Christ died for nothing." And uh, and and the the faith plus is going to be seen in living out the fruit of the spirit. And in Ephesians, he he does that in the first three chapters of Ephesians. Uh, he talks about the call of God and, 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 and how important it is that we understand the grace of God, which has been lavished upon us. But then he gets to chapter 4, verse 1, and he, he talks about the, um, uh, and now this is how it's going to be lived out. This is what it's going to look like. Well, that's what he's doing here in Galatians. He's been spelling out the theology that the Galatians have been beginning to miss. In, uh, in, in how important it is to live by faith alone and, and to understand that we're, we're, we're saved by faith alone. But here's how that faith will be worked out. Once you're, once you're in Christ, here's how it will be worked out. And this is the impact that it's, it's going to have upon, um, the world. And so the attitudes and the behaviors uh, that are that are here listed. Uh, it's a choice between basically between self-centeredness and spirit-centeredness. And when we live a spirit-centered life, it actually becomes other-centered. So it's really a choice between self-centeredness, uh, me being uh, making sure I'm gratifying all of what I want and what I uh, think, uh, you know, how, how I think the world should be. It's what I want: self-gratification, or Spirit-led, what do I think others will benefit from? So it's living for myself or it's living for others. And that's the choice that Paul is presenting here in chapter 5. And so we've got to put the fruit of the Spirit into context if we're really going to understand it. And as I've been saying, this context in writing of Galatians, it's all about faith. Paul says we're justified by faith, so we're saved by faith. He says that in chapter 2, verse 16. Uh, he, he says we're made righteous by faith. You're not made righteous by the gifts of the Spirit or by the fruit of the Spirit or, 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 or by any sort of behavior. We're actually made righteous, in other words, made right in God's eyes by faith. And he says that in chapter 2, verse 21, and chapter 3, verse 11. And we also receive the Holy Spirit by faith. It's not something that we earn. It's not something that we have to do. And so then the Spirit comes upon us. We receive the Holy Spirit by faith, just as we receive Christ by faith, just as we become made, made, made right before God by faith. We receive the Holy Spirit by faith. And he talks about that in chapter 3, verses 2 and 14, as well as some other places. And then in chapter 5, verse 6, he gets right down to it. Now, remember who he's talking to and remember the problem that, that is besetting him and the Galatian church. And that is that these people are getting led astray into a works-based doctrine. And in chapter 5, verse, verse 6, he says, what really matters is faith living through love. Faith being worked out through love. That's what really matters. Chapter 5, verse 6. But you know, he presupposes a question that he could be asked. Well, you know, if all of this is by faith, then does that mean that God's light on sin? You know, he doesn't care about sin because it's all by faith. You know, it's not by good works. It's not by performance or anything like that. So does that mean that uh, God is light on sin? Chapter 2, verse 17, he asks that question and he immediately answers it and says, absolutely not. God is not light on sin. 
And he talks about this in Romans too, doesn't, doesn't he? You know, should we sin so that grace prevails? Absolutely not. That's a warped theology, that is. God's not light on sin. In fact, he's heavy on sin and it costs Christ his life. And that's what it's all about. And so no, he, he's, he's not light on sin. Um, he makes sure that we receive the spirit by faith, but then the spirit manifests himself through the absence of works of flesh. So dealing with the works of flesh and through the presence of the fruit of the spirit. Now it's a dual action that we're talking about here, not just the production of the fruit of the spirit, but the spirit helps us deal with those things which are works of the flesh, which have become enrooted in our lives and we need to be, be rid of them. And so, uh, he does that through the Holy Spirit. So what does he list as works of the flesh? He gives some examples. Obviously not an exhaustive list. We'd be reading for too long, wouldn't we? But, uh, in chapter 5, verse 15, he, he gives a summary statement. This is all about biting and devouring one another. Works of the flesh uh, are things that will bite and devour one another. In other words, they're really bad for relationships. They're really bad for community. <clears throat> and of course, they're really bad for you as a person. They're bad for the church. They're bad for community and they're bad for you yourself. And, um, as I went through the, the works of the flesh, I, I, I found, uh, three um, major areas that he talks about. Uh, first of all, sexual immorality. Uh, secondly, idolatry. And then thirdly, things that destroy relationships. Sexual immorality. Well, he lists a few of the things there. But uh, we need to understand, and I'm sure all of us do understand, that uh, sexual sin uh, can be one of the most self-gratifying sins and other destroying types of sin in other words sexual sin can destroy other people perhaps faster uh, than than most other sins um if when when we become in in sins um of a sexual nature uh they can uh, they they can truly uh, be devastating and they can destroy ourselves and they can destroy um relationships with other people, excuse me, just fiddling around in my coat here, but I realised I hadn't turned my phone off, and I didn't want it to bother us, so now it's turned off. Um, and, and so when we're involved in sexual immorality and promiscuity and so forth, uh, a whole lot of evil things can happen, uh, soul-destroying stuff, body-destroying stuff. Uh, you know, we've seen examples of this recently with all the uh, the, the, the sexual abuse uh, crimes that are coming to, to place. And not only in the church, but certainly in the church are the ones that we're most ashamed of and the way they've been covered up and, and, and the devastation for lifetimes of sexual sin. And, uh, and, and Paul says, you've just got to be rid of this stuff. You know, don't let this stuff be known among you because sexual immorality is something that uh, is very damaging, very damaging. Uh, the second lot of uh, works of the flesh that he talks about there is, is uh, idolatry. And idolatry is, is basically, it's not necessarily bowing down to some idol I've made out in the backyard or something like that, but it's its a worship of anything other than God. Uh, it's a worship of uh, things like wealth, for instance, and power. And uh, sex can become idolatrous as well. And, 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 and so, you know, it's the worshipping of something other than God as a way of getting what I want for self-gratification. And that's what it's all about. Works of the flesh are all about self-gratification, whether it be sexual abuse, 
uh, it's me. I want to get get self gratified. I'm worshiping other things like um, uh, being addicted to to power or being addicted uh, to, to to wealth or whatever it might be, uh, so that I am self gratified. And we see we, we can see examples of that in the church as well as in the world around us. And so idolatry is the second lot of uh, works of the flesh he talks about. But but then there's um, relationship-destroying things. Well, you know, the other things have destroyed relationships as well. But uh, relationship-destroying things such as selfish ambition, hate, um, outbursts of anger, arguing, uh, jealousy, division, and envy. Now, those are things that, are, if, if you think about it, uh, you know, some of those things are... Sanctified sins, you know, the, the things that we say, ah, oh, well, you know, he's just an angry person, you know, he, he can't help blowing up from time to time, just let him be. But, you know, if somebody's involved in a sexual sin, you don't say, ah, oh, well, he's just highly sexualized, you know, don't, don't worry about him, you, we don't say that. And so these, these relationship destroying things, are sometimes permitted amongst us, and sometimes accepted in, 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 in the community around us. You know, lying and, and, and selfish ambition and hatred and, and, uh, and, and jealousy and, and division and envy, being envious of people, you know. Well, Paul says these are works of the flesh. This is doing the stuff to ourselves and in the community and in the church that really isn't glorifying to God. They're works of the flesh. These are not characteristics of the kingdom of God. That's what he says. They all have the purpose of self-gratification, oftentimes at the expense of the other person. And so Paul says, you know, we really shouldn't be involved in those. Ah, but then, in contrast to works of the flesh, we've got the fruit of the Spirit. And Paul says in chapter 5, verse 14, that the entire law is fulfilled in one statement, and that is, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, in the context of Galatians, this is extremely important because the Galatians were being led astray by the Judaizers who were saying the law is all important. It's Jesus plus obedience to the Jewish law. It's Jesus plus circumcision. It's Jesus plus dietary laws. It's Jesus plus fill in the blank. And so they were saying, look, the law is really, really important. You've got to add it to your faith in Christ. And Paul was saying, you're, you're being hypnotized by, by false teaching. And here he says, in fact, the whole law, if you want to summarize it, the whole law is fulfilled not just summarized, it's actually fulfilled in one statement, and that is love your neighbor as yourself. Well, you know where he got that from. That's exactly what Jesus said. The idea of love. You know, I, I think the fruit of the Spirit is actually love. I think if we wanted to put it down to one word, one characteristic, it would be love. And I think the other characteristics that are listed there are ways that love is worked out. Love is worked out through joy. Love is worked out through peace. Love is worked out through being patient, through being kind, through being good. Love is worked out through being faithful. Love is worked out in gentleness. And love is worked out 
in self-control. You see, I think they're all expressions of love. So the fruit of the Spirit is love. And this is how it's worked out in these characteristics. And, you know, really, all of that is an expression of the character of God and thus the values of the kingdom of God. You know, when God talks about himself, especially in the Old Testament, when he reveals himself to Moses in, um, in Exodus, when he when he talks through the prophets, this is what I'm like, you know, when he's revealing himself uh, to the people of Israel, to the people of Judah, uh, to the nations surrounding them, when he reveals himself, he talks about himself in these sort of terms. I'm a God of compassion. I'm a God uh, who, who forgives. I'm a God who is committed to maintaining love. I love and I am faithful. This is who I am. This is this this is what I am like, your God. And so the fruit of the Spirit, obviously, I mean this is what we would expect. If the if it's the Spirit living it out through us, well it's the Spirit of God, isn't it? So obviously he's living his own character out. He's living the character of God out through us as we're enabled by the Holy Spirit. Joy and peace and patience. Kindness and gentleness and faith and self-control. All of these are expressions of the love of God. Who benefits from that? Well, think about it. Those things are certainly going to benefit the church as a community of people. And they're certainly going to benefit the neighborhood as a community of people or many communities of people. And they're going to benefit me, myself, as, as well. Because I'd much rather be a person who is at peace and a person who is patient with others than a person who is always having to get my own way and striving and, 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 and arrogant about it and all those works of the flesh of, of outbursts of anger because I'm not getting my own way and all that sort of that takes a lot of energy apart from anything else. I'd much rather be a person of peace a person of the fruit of the Spirit. And it's going to do a whole lot better to the church if I'm a person of peace and patience and to the neighborhood. My neighbors will benefit from the fact that I'm a person who is good and kind. So you see, these are not just airy-fairy things. These are things that God says, look, this is the characteristics of the kingdom of God. These are the values of the kingdom of God. And, and when they're lived out, they make a difference. When they're lived out, the church benefits, the neighborhood benefits, and you yourself, you benefit. This is the kingdom of God at work. But then I ask myself the question, well, how is it produced? How is the fruit of the Spirit produced? Through striving really hard? You know, I've got to be more loving today. I've got to be kinder today. Where can I be kind? Quickly. <laughs> Doesn't work like that, does it? It just gets us anxious. Just gets us all uptight. Haven't been good today. Give me something to be good at. <laughs> Doesn't work. And I don't think that's what we're supposed to do. Remember Matthew eleven twenty eight. What did Jesus say? He said, come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. You see, we can become weary and burdened about really good things. We can become so intense about being good, <laughs> about being kind, that it creates stress and anxiety within us. And Jesus says, hey, 
come, come to me. Come to me. It's not about performance. Just come to me. Experience my grace. Because my burden is light. You see, when we're resting in Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit is a natural production. It's a natural production. That's why it's light, you see. When we're resting in Jesus, that's exactly what Jesus was talking about in John chapter 15. You know, the vine and the branches. (laughs) There you go, behind me. The vine and the branches, you know. He said, come and remain in me. Abide in me. Rest in me. And I will produce the fruit through you. The fruit is a natural production when we're abiding in Christ. Look, this is a complex thing because obviously there is another side to it. You know, the the fruit of the Spirit is about character development. I'm going to get into that a bit more next week. The fruit of the Spirit is about character development. And we do have a part to play in developing character. You know, we, we, we can stop doing things and start doing things that help us to be people who are more kind and, and, and people who are good towards others and so forth. You know, there's a whole lot of stuff that we can do. But I, I guess what I'm trying to say here is that we can just get so wound up about that that it becomes self-defeating. And there, there, there comes a time, I reckon, where, where Jesus just says, come unto me, come and rest, come and rest, take it easy. Let me flow through you, let me flow through you. So the fruit of the Spirit, they're not works for salvation, but they are evidence that God is in control and that he's able to work through us, his character, for the benefit of others around us. And so the church, the neighbourhood, and you yourself, you're going to be better off, all of those are going to be better off when the fruit of the Spirit is manifested. I mean, it's a no-brainer, isn't it, you know? Gentleness or outbursts of anger? (laughs) You're going to feel better about yourself when you're gentle or when you explode in anger? Is your community going to be better off, you know, at a neighbourhood meeting? Is it going to be better off when you've got this anger outburst at people or when you're gentle? Even when confronting issues, when you're gentle, you know? Which is going to be better? And what about goodness or selfish ambitions? Is the church going to benefit more from you being selfish and ambitious within the church, wanting to rise through the ranks, whatever ranks there are in the church? And uh, or, or is it going to benefit more from your goodness towards people within the church? Kindness or envy, you know? Is the community going to be encouraged more by you being envious or you deciding that you're going to be kind today to people that you meet. See, this is the sort of thing that Paul is saying. Now, this is the contrast that he's putting up. We've got the works of the, of the flesh on the one hand and we've got the fruit of the Spirit on the other. And he's saying it's up to us. You know, let's rest in the Spirit and allow the Spirit to so control us to flow through us as we learn more about resting in Jesus. It's a no-brainer, isn't it? That's what what it's all about. Hey, look, thanks for listening. And uh, I I look forward to next week a, a deeper look 
had the characteristics of the Spirit of God. What what do those words actually mean? You know, what does goodness mean? How can I be a good person and a kind person, patient person? You know, what do they actually mean? And then Paul gives some examples towards the end of Galatians five and end of chapter six um, on on how the fruit of the Spirit will make a difference in various contexts. And so I'm going to unwrap that a little bit and then and, and have a look at the fruit of the Spirit as character development, God developing his character within us. So I look forward to being with you again at that particular time. Have a great week.